morning we're beginning a series in the parables called Small Stories, Big Impact. That's what the parables were or are. They're small stories that Jesus told that have a big impact, that tell a lot. This is the first time I've ever done a series on the parables. We're going to spend the whole summer talking about parables and how Jesus taught them and and, and what they meant and what they mean for us today. The children are with us again this morning. So, children, I've got my candy tin up here. So if you fill out your insert, you bring it up, we'll... uh, We'll give you a piece of candy. But there's something more important about that, that insert that I want you to do. Children, I want you to go home and ask your parents to answer the questions that are at the end of this handout. Parents, I want you to go home, fathers especially, and talk throughout the week to your children about the parable that we're talking about this morning. And each week... I want you to engage your parent, your children in these parables because mom and dad, it's ultimately your responsibility to teach your children what God's word says. Now in children's ministry, they're going to be doing a series on parables too. They won't match up every week, but, but they're going to be getting material for you to engage your children with. But this is important conversation that we have to have with our children. Whether they're three years old or, or 18 or 19 years old, they're still at home. We need to be having these conversations. You know, our youth group got home this morning at 5 o'clock from creation, 5 a.m., and they are here this morning. I think that's pretty cool. Now, will they be with us the whole morning? We don't know. But we've got to give them credit for being here. And I just think that's pretty cool that you guys saw it important enough to be here this morning. All right, let's talk about parables. We're going to begin in Matthew chapter 13 today. And we'll be, we'll be keying in on, on Matthew 13 verses 44 to 46, the parable of, of the treasure and the pearl. But before we begin, we need to talk about how you interpret parables. And what a parable actually is, because that's very important. And I want to warn you, you see a lot of really messed up ways of looking at parables, of how they're interpreted. So it's important to understand what a parable is and how you interpret it. So this morning we're going to do a little bit of a, of a lesson on how to interpret Scripture. That's very important. So what is a parable? Well, a parable simply is a placing beside. It's a comparison. And Jesus uses everyday experiences of of the real world that he lived in to make his points. Now, parables are fictional stories that address a need or an issue that Jesus was addressing at that time. And we have to really remember that. They are fictional stories that, ha- that have real lifelike qualities in them. 
And the fact that they are lifelike stories that Jesus tells has caused interpreters to forget that they are just parables. They are fictional literary forms. And that's important to remember. They're word pictures. But the the pictures themselves, the parables themselves, don't describe an actual historical event. And we have to interpret fictional literature different than we interpret biblical narratives that are historical events. Because much of the Bible is made up of of actual historical events. And we interpret that differently than we do these parables. And that's oftentimes where people get messed up. Now, in the study of parables, we should seek to find the main point of the parable and not press the details because within each parable, there is a main point that Jesus is trying to bring out. And the the details within that parable are to help make this main point that Jesus is trying to, to, to bring to us more clear. And, and we'll see that within some of the parables, there, there are more characters than in others. This morning's parables, there's one character in each parable. But then we get to other ones, there are more. But there's one main point that he's trying to make within these parables. So how do we understand a parable? How do we get to that main point? And what we have to do as we begin to unpack a parable is we have to uncover the need that prompted this parable to be spoken. In other words, we have to understand the context. What happened before Jesus told the parable? And what happened after? But it is very important in biblical interpretation to get the context right. So what is happening before Jesus told the parable is a question that we have to ask ourselves. Because Jesus most often tells a parable to answer a question that's been asked of him. Or to meet a challenge. Or to invite the hearers to change their way of thinking. But there's always something going on before he tells the parable that's very important. So what is going on right before Jesus tells the parable? And this is very important to help us move towards unlocking the meaning of what Jesus was trying to get at. So we have to understand the context. Then we also have to understand the historical and the cultural setting that Jesus was telling it in. That's important for us to understand. We have to understand, what did it mean to the original hearer? What did it mean in the original setting of the people that he was speaking it to? Because we have to understand the original meaning of the parable and their application to the hearer in the first century audience before we begin to understand what it means for us today. So what is the meaning of this parable to me today must be preceded by the question, what did the parable mean when it was spoken by Jesus in his ministry? Understanding the historical 
context with, within which Jesus was speaking it and what was going on. We have to understand the cultural implications of what Jesus was speaking to, of what he was addressing. What was going on in the culture? What was the culture like? Because the culture back then was different than it is today, and yet the parables still apply to our lives in the culture we live in. But what did it mean in that culture? And what was the historical setting of the parable that was spoken? So we have to understand the context, what happened before Jesus spoke it. We have to understand the cultural and historical setting that Jesus spoke it in. And there's a great tool that you can get. It's called the IVP Background Commentary by a guy named Keener. And and for each verse in, in the New Testament, he gives a little bit of a cultural history of what that verse meant. And it's a a really important tool for us to have if we're going to understand Scripture. Now, that requires a lot of work. But interpreting Scripture correctly requires a lot of work. And it is we are required as believers to put the work into understanding what God's Word says. I believe the reason that so many people are being led astray today is because we don't do the diligent work of interpreting God's word for ourselves. Very important. So then I have to also figure out, I have to state what the central truth of this parable was. Because remember, I believe that each parable has a central truth. The central truth can be identified by understanding the question that was asked, the occasion with which, in which it was asked, the problem or need that Jesus is addressing in that setting. So what is the main point that Jesus is trying to make with the story that he's telling? As you're reading a parable, that's the question that you're trying to answer. What is the main point that Jesus is trying to make in telling this story? And every story Jesus tells has great significance for us today. So you have to ask yourself that question. And then I have to make application. How does this story apply to me today in the culture that I live in? What do I do with what I learned? Because we don't read scripture just to gain head knowledge. We read scripture and we study it so that it changes our hearts and it changes the way we live and it changes the way we think and the things that we do. So how do I apply this parable to my life? What do I do with what I've learned? And you know, as I, as I get older and, and, and read scripture, I've learned that, that I can read the same parable multiple times and it will speak to me differently depending on what I'm experiencing in my life at the moment. The truth of the parable never changes, but at times, depending on what I'm going through, it helps me in different, with different situations. 
So this morning we want to address the parable of the treasure and the pearl. So in Matthew chapter 13, verses 44 to 46, Jesus tells this parable. Verse 44, he says, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, he went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and he bought it. So when we look at at this parable, so what is the context with, within which the parable is told? What is happening before the parable is told? And if you go back to the beginning of chapter 13, Jesus is addressing kingdom issues. The kingdom of heaven or the, or the kingdom of God is, is what he is addressing because he's being asked questions about the kingdom. When is the kingdom coming? And remember, for Jewish people, when they thought of the Messiah and they thought kingdom, they thought the Messiah was coming to set up an earthly kingdom that had geographical boundaries and he would rule and he would control the government. And so that's what they were thinking at that time. Now, the kingdom of heaven has a future element to it, and it has a present one to it. So what Jesus is saying is that the kingdom has already come. According to Luke chapter 17, verse 20 and 21, it says, One day the Pharisees asked Jesus, When is the kingdom of God coming? They were thinking, controlling a geographical area. And then Jesus said the kingdom of God cannot be detected by visible signs. You won't be able to say here it is or over there. It's over there. The kingdom of God is already among you. Or some translations say the kingdom of God is within you. So what Jesus is saying, the kingdom is already here. You just can't see it. But also the tricky part is the kingdom is still coming. We read that of Christ's second coming. And and Matthew chapter 13 is addressing those issues. It's addressing kingdom issues. So the parables in Matthew 13 of the kingdom unfold the mystery of the kingdom for us. He's saying the kingdom of heaven is here. But instead of destroying human rulers and, and overtaking governments... The kingdom has attacked the rule and the reign of Satan. It's attacking Satan's kingdom. Instead of changing political order of things, it's making changes in the spiritual order of, of our lives, of the lives of men and, and women all around us who are willing to accept it. You know, and I think on a side note, we way too often get caught up in in earthly kingdoms and what earthly rulers are going to do and setting up an earthly rule when we should be more concerned about the spiritual realm and and, and, and God's reign and rule in in, in the spiritual kingdom at this time. 
And Jesus said, said that this is a mystery or a secret of the kingdom. He said, this is hard to understand. The kingdom of God has come to work among people in a very unexpected way. As one commentator put it, the fulfillment of the kingdom is here, but the consummation of the kingdom is not. You see, one day he will come to set up an eternal rule, but that's not here yet, but the kingdom is here. In Matthew chapter 13, verse 11, at the beginning, it it says that to you has been given to know the secret mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. Remember, Jesus is speaking more and more in parables, because it was prophesied that he would. But he says, to you, to you who understand, has been given this secret of the kingdom. And verse, verse 16 of Matthew 13 says, But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. Truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous men long to see what you see and did not see it. And to hear what you hear and did not hear it. What Jesus is saying, long ago, the prophets from the Old Testament, they longed to see the kingdom of, of God here. And now you have the privilege of actually seeing it. They long to hear it. You actually are hearing it. You are very blessed that the kingdom is here among you. But not everyone is recognizing it because it wasn't what they expected. It's here in a way that is a mystery to them. And this mystery, that's what the parables in Matthew 13 are meant to show. And when we look at the beginning of Matthew chapter chapter 13, he begins with the parable of the sower and the parable of the weeds. He sort of sort of does it in in pairs. And you know the parable of the sower, the parable of the soils, which is called that too, is that this kingdom that will be there will in this kingdom there will be those who don't get it, those who don't accept it, and there will be those who do. In the parable of the weeds, he says, you know, in this kingdom there will be both believers and non-believers. They will grow up together, but at one point they will be separated. And then he goes on and he talks about the parable of the mustard seed and the parable of the yeast, that this kingdom will have power, that in this kingdom they will have impact and influence and they will make a difference right now. So he says, in this kingdom you will find both believers and non-believers. You will find those who accept it and those who don't accept it. In these first four parables, he talks about how the kingdom operates and how it functions. And and over the next couple weeks, we'll actually, we'll hit on both of these parables. But he has not answered the question of how the kingdom is received. You know, do we just get it? Are we just born into it? 
You know, do we just get born into the kingdom that it belonged to our parents so it also belongs to us? If I'm a part of the church, I will be a part of the kingdom. How do I get this kingdom? And so that's setting up, that's the context with which this parable is told. And so he says in verse 44, he says, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, he went and sold everything he had and bought a field. You see, at that time, because there were many wars, people would bury their, their belongings so that the enemy couldn't find it. Okay, so this, so this was a real thing that happened back in Jesus' time. People would actually take their treasure chests, maybe put their life savings in it, and go and bury it out in one of their fields so that the enemy wouldn't get it, so that it would be a safe place where they could keep it. Well, sometimes the owner of this field, maybe he died and never told anybody where he buried it. Maybe he was killed by the enemy when they attacked his land. And so nobody knew that this treasure was there. And so from time to time, people would find treasures buried in fields. And many times these treasures would be worth worth millions of dollars. It'd be like having land and all of a sudden one day realizing there's gas and oil on that land. And now you're rich. Well, that's what was happening at that time. And then he, Jesus says that, that the kingdom of heaven, is again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of, one of great value, he went away, sold everything he had, and he bought it. So we see a man that was in, on the search for a pearl. Now, at that time, pearls were the most valuable gem of that time. They were worth more than diamonds or anything else. Because of the way that they were, men would actually tie rocks to themselves so they could dive down deep enough to to harvest pearls. And many men died doing it. They got eaten by sharks or or they went down too quick or came up too quick. But so it was a very precious jewel, gem. And the the, the Talmud says that, that a pearl was beyond price. Kings would, to, to, to flaunt their wealth, they would put pearls in, in I think it was vinegar or, or wine or something that would, that would dissolve these pearls and then they would drink it just to show their wealth, to flaunt their wealth. So pearls were, were of great, or as the, the, the Talmud says, they were beyond price. They were priceless. So as we, as we read that, we begin to recognize that this kingdom that Jesus is talking about was of great value. In fact, he says it was priceless. And, and the hearer of Jesus' day would have understood that. They would have understood that this pearl was absolutely priceless. This treasure that was found in a field was, was worth more than they could ever, ever imagine. That nothing, they could lose nothing that was worth more than that. Nothing comes close to its value. And he says, the kingdom of heaven is like this treasure that's hidden in a field that is of 
greater value than you have ever, ever known. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like this fine pearl that is beyond price. It is priceless. So the hearer is understanding that Jesus is setting this up to be, this is very, very valuable. And that he's equating the kingdom of heaven to these treasures that were hidden in a field and that that the merchant searched for and eventually found. So they're understanding this. They're understanding that this kingdom that Jesus is talking about is worth giving up everything to gain. And in this parable that that, that he told, these men recognized its value and they sold everything that they had to gain this precious treasure and pearl. You know, Paul talked about the willingness to give up everything for the sake of Christ. You know, actually, this first man knows it says that, that he sold everything with great joy to gain this treasure. You know, Paul in Philippians 3, verse 7 and 8, he says, Whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. You see, the point here is that that it's not that you buy the kingdom and you don't get caught up in the fact that the man, one man found it. You know, the, the central truth is that in Christ and his kingdom, there is treasure that is rich beyond comparison. That there is nothing that compares to knowing Christ. And that, that I must be willing or I should be with joy. I should give up everything from my past so that I can gain Christ. The kingdom is here. And it's valuable. Are you willing to give up everything for the kingdom? A treasure that, that is far greater than any earthly possession that we can ever, ever have. But I see people not willing to give up the life that they're living in order to follow Christ. But I'm here to tell you, if you're not a Christ follower and you're not, you're not willing to give up the life that you're living, that old self, then you're missing out on joy, ultimately missing out on eternity, the kingdom of God. Salvation is the most precious thing that you will ever, ever find. Now, I'd also in here, as you look, you notice neither one of these treasures, the treasure and the pearl, they were hidden. You know, it wasn't for the superficial looker that everybody would gain it. But, but the one man, he was walking along. Now, it doesn't say how he found it. He just says, one day a man was in a field and he found a treasure. We don't know if he was looking for it. That's beside the point. We just know one day he was walking along and he found a treasure. 
that the guy, the, the, the merchant, the pearl merchant, he intently searched. He looked and looked and looked until he found exactly what he was looking for. Till he found the most precious thing that he had ever seen. And, you know, that's the way salvation comes to, to people. To some, you know, some people, you know, I've seen this happen. They go on a youth mission trip just because they think it's the cool thing to do. They want to go traveling. And while they're on that trip, God gets a hold of them and they're changed because they find the treasure. And they're changed. You know, the Apostle Paul, he wasn't searching for, for Jesus. He wasn't searching for anything. He was searching for people to kill. But along the way, he found a treasure. But last week, as we heard with the Ethiopian eunuch, he was intently searching for that which was precious. He was looking for the kingdom. And as he searched, finally he found it. And so it's not apparent to everyone. One man was seeking. The other made a discovery. But both pursued what they uncovered. And they didn't half-heartedly pursue it. They pursued it with everything they had. You notice it didn't say that, that the man who found the treasure went and sold half of everything that he owned or three-quarters of everything he owned or just had a garage sale for the things that he didn't like. It says he sold absolutely everything. To gain that treasure. And see, I'm afraid so often we are willing to give a little bit of ourselves for the kingdom. We're willing to give those things that that aren't that important to us for the kingdom. But we're not willing to sell out for Christ. And those men couldn't gain the treasure of the pearl by, by, by giving just half of what they had. They had to give everything. And we have to give everything we have, all of our past, if we want to gain the kingdom. That treasure that is worth more than anything we will ever, ever experience. But when I, whether I discover the kingdom or I, or I, I come upon it, I have to reach out and embrace it, receive it. You see, just because, you're, just because your parents are Christ followers doesn't make you a Christ follower. You have to embrace the kingdom. Just because, because your dad embraced the kingdom doesn't mean you have the kingdom. It's not inherited. It's something that each one of us has to embrace. Has to reach out and embrace it and give everything we have to get it. At some point, we must all come to the place where we realize the value of giving up everything for the kingdom. And we have to make a choice. Am I willing to give everything for the kingdom or am I not? Every one of us has to make that choice. And if we're not, we'll see what happens in the parables. Jesus addresses that. Those who were not willing and those who were. And the question I have to ask myself as I read this parable. Am I 
willing to exchange my will and strength and resources for his will and for his glory. He says that's ultimately what it comes down to. Am I willing to give all? Because this is an all or nothing deal. Have you given your all? Have you traded in your stuff for the greater thing of, of, of what Christ has for you to gain the kingdom? Stand with me. Father, we thank you for your word, for truth. Lord, we thank you for your son, Jesus, who came to this earth for us, to give us eternal life. Lord, I just commit this group to you. Lord, um, for those that have not been willing to, to give themselves, I pray, Father, that you would just show, show us, convict us, Move us to desire the kingdom, to desire the greatest treasure, or to not allow the world to keep us from gaining that which is most precious. Father, I pray as we, as we go through this series of, par- of the parables that, that you, would, you would show us yourself, Lord. You would show us what you meant through these stories that you told And, Father, that they would be life-changing, that your spirit would work and move in our lives and change us and make us into who you desire for us to be. And, Lord, that we would bring you honor and glory through our lives and we would make you famous. We pray in Christ's precious name. Amen.